Good morning. I want to greet each of you in Jesus' name this morning, and it has been good to be here thus far. I hope that don't change too much. But anyways, um, it, is, it is a blessing to be back in, in the house of God. Uh, I never said anything during sharing, but last week we were with Chase in Arkansas there, and he is alive and well and, and doing good. So uh, thank you for your prayers for him also. Um, he is really enjoying his teaching job there, I do believe. And I, he, I think he's where God wants him right now. So we are, we are glad that he is, he is there. This morning for a, a title to my message, um, as it is sometimes, I simply have it staged as a question. And the question is this, what shall I do? You know, all of us today, we, we are Christians, I believe. Or that is our goal, that is our, our journey in life, to be a follower of Christ. But sometimes we, we, what should I really do? You know, every day of the week we meet new people. We, uh, we come face to face with God maybe in different ways. We have them God moments. And in those moments, sometimes I think, what shall I do? Or what, what should I do? Um, in the Bible, there's a couple of situations where we actually have people that ask that question, and so that's where I went. Um, the, the, where we're going to head today is in uh, Luke chapter 10. You can uh, begin to turn there. I'm kind of jumping right in the middle of the chapter, but it's kind of, it's Jesus been talking, and, and um, he goes into a very, uh, how would you say, a familiar story also to to wrap it all up but I want to do make note also that there is a rich young ruler that once asked this question also Um, and I think there was maybe possibly another Nicodemus um, asked this question so it's not a a, a new question at all but I've found it in my study that I have a little different answer than maybe I would have a period of time ago what shall I do Luke Chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 25. Yes, Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I think all of us have asked that question, or we, if we've never asked it out loud, we've thought it in our mind. And I'd like to stop there just for a moment. I'd like to go to the the pat answer that we would use today. And uh, turn to Romans chapter, most of you know it, but I'm going to turn there because in my um, nervousness I forget half the thing. So Romans 10 verse 9 is, is a, a very common answer that, that we give. And it says there that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I took that verse all apart. That's what I would say today if somebody says, what shall I do? I would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. What does it mean to confess? Not a trick question. A verbal affirmation. A verbal affirmation. Perfect. If you did something wrong and you admit it, has anything changed? 
Yes, I stole your car. What about it? I confessed it. In our confession of Jesus, basically we're saying, I believe in God. I believe in a God. Is that confessing God? Probably every one of you here today would confess to God. But it, does that, is that enough for salvation? Is that where it ends? Just believing there's a God. Um, James chapter 2. I'm going to read, read a verse out of there, I believe. Uh, 19 and 20. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wrote that down wrong. I failed to write that verse down, but I'm going to try to paraphrase a little bit. It says, even the demons believe in Jesus with much trembling. So I believe just confessing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and believing that he is God is probably not enough. Let's, let's go on a bit. To believe in God, confess there is a God is, is, is good. But we need to go further than that. I am going to read James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. I was at the wrong spot here. Thou believest that thou, there is one God, thou doest well. And the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? There we finally get a glimpse of maybe what... What Jesus is asking from us, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, what will that look like? We'll come back to James here after a bit. Let's go finish uh, Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read on from there a little bit um, and see what it has to say. The first, next couple verses. And this is the lawyer talking again. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Just had a, a little bit of a thoughts. Um, I've made comments. I, love is a word we throw around, and I've, I've been up here before and said love is always an action. I just want to make sure that you know it again, so we're going we're gonna to go over that a little bit. But if I love the weather, oh, beautiful day, the weather's perfect, but I stay inside all day, do I really love the weather? If I say I love pizza, but yet I'm eating soup, do I really love pizza? If I say I love Fords, which I do, but I drive a Honda, which I do. Do I really like Fords? What does love actually look like? If you love something to the extent that the Bible talks about love, it's obvious. People will see it. And maybe that's not, I mean, we look at people today and they're a billboard for what they love sometimes. You do see people, and I'm not suggesting that, so be, be careful, but... You don't have to display everything that you love. But anyways, just, just the thought. Again, that word love requires an action. Let's keep on reading. But he willing to justify himself 
But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because remember, we have to love God with all our heart and then love our neighbor as ourself. That's where I think we're going to focus today. And Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. We have a, a situation that just come up. And we're going to see how Jesus answers this. And I find it really interesting, and maybe I'm overthinking this way too hard, but why did he give us so much detail? Why couldn't have he just said, well, there was a guy that was out and he got robbed. You know, a couple guys walked by him, another guy stopped. But I believe there's a, a complete, um, complete what we are to do in Christ wrapped up in this. Let's keep on reading. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and he said unto him, and saw him, and he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, it's very obvious, the answer to that question, it was the Samaritan, the enemy of the Jews. But I'd like to just spend a few minutes thinking about what he did. When we go about our everyday life, we have opportunities, the same as this Samaritan did. Now, we can't all have Eldon's job and, and show up and be that emergency personnel to help him get to the hospital. But we can all do something to the person we meet. But I will admit, it's going to take a lot more than just confessing that there's a God. I have three points that come out of this, this parable this morning that I would like to, to try to hit on. The first, first point that I want to say, it says that he saw him and had compassion. Our eyes, I think all of us in here have good eyes, so we can definitely see, see the needs around us. But how do we develop compassion. I might have been the first person to say, well, he was out there after nine o'clock at night. I don't say when it happened, but that's kind of your own fault. If you, if you don't act wisely, you could be in trouble. It's not my problem. There could be a chance I could get hurt getting out there and trying to help him. Or, as the priest and Levite, maybe they were on the way to the temple. They had duties to perform. They had people sitting, waiting. They needed to have a priest and a Levite there. I think most of my problems boil down to I can be so busy that I don't even see the neighbor that needs the help. It takes time. If I say it this way, it makes it so, it takes time to love Jesus. 
Does that change it? If I'm to be the hands and feet, I'm supposed to be Jesus to the world around me. I'm no longer helping my neighbor. I am simply doing my Christian duty. I am the book that they're reading. Sometimes it's just a whole lot easier to throw some money at it. Oh, he has a need. What does he need? Oh, he's, okay, here's $100. You're good. I believe there are times that that is, you know, maybe what God has asked us to do. But I'm talking to myself this morning when I give this whole message. And again, you guys are just listening. But I have a serious problem in my life, and I am willing to admit it. And it is time. To take the time. I somehow seem to be able to do the things that I need to do or that I want to do. But it's a real struggle to have time to maybe stop, see the needs around me, and help. You know what some of us say, we barely have time to read the Bible. To even see what it says that I should do when I'm out there. If we don't have time to read the Bible, we probably don't have time to stop. Okay, I see somebody in need. What should I do? What do I look up? What scripture would point to this? No, I believe we need to be somewhat prepared. God has spoken through his word. We know what to do when we see a need. We need to give, I need to give my time, my days, and my weeks to God. To let him completely run my life. And so that I believe what's important in his word is what I'll do. Matthew, I'm going to read just a couple verses there. Matthew chapter 6. Again, Jesus' words to us from his word. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 20. Twenty to thirty-four. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where the thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the eye, light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye being single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. It is the, is the life not more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto thee, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we be, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For their heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the days of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The excuses I use is I'm busy, I gotta work, I gotta provide for my family. I just read in that scripture that God will take care of me. And I gotta be careful when I say this because you can fall into the other ditch where you say, oh, I don't need to work, I don't need to do nothing. God's just gonna take care of me, and that is true. But God has also gifted you with an ability to do some service of some kind. And we don't have to work 24-7. I believe if we are, we're, we're probably laying up that treasure on earth and not in heaven. So if your excuse is, I don't have the time because I have to work, I believe I just um, threw that one out. And I'm talking to myself. Wow, what is really important? Verse 32 is, after all these things to the Gentiles seek. Are we just like the rest of the world around us? Do we seek after the things that gratify our flesh? Do we really have to work that much? And again, I speak unto myself. My first point to take home is it takes time to love God. The second point, I'd like to go back to um, Luke, verse 34. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and sent him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I believe if you're a Christian today, that God will always give you something to do. And it might be a lot of work. It might be easier to go to your day job than it is to do the work of the Lord. I'm a farmer, so I'm used to working in messy conditions. But there's a lot of situations in the world that are very messy. In our story today, I, there was probably blood, half-naked, who wants to jump into a situation like that? I think sometimes another reason that keeps me from jumping out and helping things, I'm ashamed or I'm embarrassed. The Bible's very clear, if I'm ashamed or embarrassed of God, that he's ashamed and embarrassed of me. As a Samaritan, helping a Jew would seem very awkward. Maybe I'm assuming too much here. But a Christian all dressed up nice and clean to get off the beaten path and help somebody where he might get dirty. Well, surely there's somebody else's job to do that. No, if you're a follower of Christ and you're loving your neighbor, as I decided that it takes, what shall we do? Being the hands and feet, we will have to work. We will have to get dirty. I'd like to turn back to James chapter 2. I 
I'm going to read the whole chapter again. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. And if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit there under my footstool? Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced, convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. But if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For ye shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give him not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, and the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. See ye now... See then how, now see, ye see then how, that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I fear as we grew up in, a, in maybe a Mennonite or a conservative church, when we think of works, what do we think of? I'd like to put a new meaning to works today. We think of works as, well, I dress modestly, I wear a black pants, I wear a white shirt. That's the works that I'm doing. And it is. And there's nothing wrong with any of this. But I would like to include in your works as being a, a Mennonite, a Baptist, a Anybody, can't name them all, so I'll stop there. But if you are call yourself a believer of Christ, in your works also needs to be action.
today. Talk about all the, the scriptures full of it. What Abraham did. What Rahab did. How could there be any chance for Rahab? She was an evil person. By your works, you are showing your faith. It also talked about sometimes, and I'm just as guilty as anybody, if there's no glory in the job, I don't want to do it. Meeting people where they are, seeing the need behind the scenes can be humiliating. It's not a gravy job. I think of Jesus and his life on earth, how he was accused of hanging out with sinners, publicans, tax collectors. How many of you have been accused of hanging out with people like that? Now I'm, again, there's ditches. I've got to be careful. But I don't think I've ever been accused of hanging out with people that were ungodly. We think it's a compliment if we're, you know, we're all clean, we're all good. But I believe that we need to open our eyes. We need to see the needs around us. And we need to do the work. Again, a takeaway note. It takes work to love God. The last one that I'm going to talk about this morning, I don't know if it's the hardest or not. Verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host. And he said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Ooh. Take somebody to the doctor today and clean up their health bill. I couldn't do it. I physically don't have enough. <clears throat> it will take money. It will take giving something. It doesn't have to be money, but you will have to give something to somebody. And that's maybe against some of our grain to think that you would have to work, you would have to give to somebody to love. But it talked about if you see somebody in need and you say, oh, be warm and filled and you turn around and walk away, you haven't done nothing. You're going to have to give something. And I'd like to just look at a few references that talks about our money and what God has to say for it. We're going to go to the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to read just a little bit. And I apologize, I'm going to be jumping around here just a little bit. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 27 and 28. And just in your mind, think about the money you have, the gifts you have, the things that you can share. Proverbs 3, 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in thy power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Now is the time. So many times I hear something, well, I don't give to that, or I, I think that's good. We ought to go help somebody. But unfortunately for me, some, most times, if I don't do it immediately, it don't happen. Proverbs 18, verse 16 says, A man's gift 
maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Sometimes it may not be much, but when we give what we have to somebody, it opens the door for us that we can show them God's love. We can explain to them where they may never understand unless we first give something. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 to 12. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountiful shall reap also bountiful. I used to think that applied to planting seeds. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency and all things may abound in every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but it is, is it abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. When we give, people praise God. People thank God for the gifts. And it's very obvious that God's going to take care of us. So do you sow bountiful? Or do you just put a little here and there? The last verse I have is Luke chapter 6. Verses 30 to 38. Give to every man that asketh thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful, unto the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give. And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Another commandment to give, expecting nothing in return. This morning, I would like to wrap it up. It takes time to love God by loving your neighbor. It takes work to love God. You also have to give to others to love God.
And you can say, well, I have nothing. And I was going to turn and read that yet. But the widow that gave two mites, which was considered absolutely nothing in the day, give more than anybody else. I think all of us have some gift that we can give somebody in need. May God bless you as you continue to serve your neighbor in so serving God. Thank you. Thank <clears throat> you.